talking about video games. Yeah! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Donkey Kong Artist Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Patrick Shanley, but joining me, as always, because I can't do it alone, it's a big, heavy show, are my co-hosts and good, 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 maybe even best friends, Colin Codega and Edmund Arnold. Edmund, how are you doing today? I have no idea where I am right now. Um, I'm do- I-, I think I'm okay. I feel like, you know when you play like 12 hours in a video game for one day, and then you try to get back to real life, and you're not exactly sure what is going on, that's where I'm at right now. I- so I-, I am looking for monsters behind me, because I keep feeling like there's something, I keep hearing things, but I, I think I'm okay. I'm alright. I'm alright. How are you, Pat? I'm good. Uh, I'm more in touch with the real world around me, the tangible world that I live in, but... I mean, I'm glad to. I'm glad you pulled yourself away from your TV screen to talk to me for a little bit. No one cares about the real world, Pat. Now, how about my boy Colin Codega? How you doing, dude? You know what? I'm I'm good, Pat. I'm good. You know, uh, also just deep, deep into this uh, hunting world. My my uh, hunter instincts have taken over. I used to be a gatherer. Now I'm a hunter. And yeah, no, just uh, really <laughs> diving into this game, loving it, and uh, also just. To little drop a little hint of what we may talk about uh, later. I'm a huge jinx. Just gonna kind of leave that mysterious. We'll talk about it later. That's very true, and that's what uh, people are saying on the Twitters. Out on the Twitters, that's what they're talking about, Colin Kodega. Let's start off, though, with Monster Hunter World, uh, a game that is bizarre, is the word I would use to describe it. Uh, look, I've, I've known the franchise. I'm not like a huge fan of the franchise. This is the first one I've spent like some actual time on. We were lucky enough to have the producer and the director of the show kind of on... This week, um, or the producer and director of the game, I'm sorry, on our show, uh, they're Japanese, and we've done this before. It's it's hard to coordinate interviews with people who are in a completely different time zone and, B, do not speak the same language as you. So what we did is we did a email correspondence, but we do have their answers about the game. One of the ones that stuck out the most for me, because I am kind of a newbie to these games, is uh, an answer from Ryozo Sichu... Sujimoto, he is the producer of Monster Hunter World, and I asked him, uh, how important is it to make this game accessible to newcomers? I asked that because I'm a newcomer. Uh, Here was his answer. Monster Hunter is an incredibly well-known franchise in Japan with a large fan base. Although the series has been growing with each iteration in the West, it hasn't quite been the same. No kidding. Uh, In addition to all the exciting game features we've included, this will be the first time in the series that we're having a simultaneous global launch with the highest amount of localization support within the franchise. As a result, we do hope that more players on a global scale take interest to the franchise and come check out the title. We also held multiple focus tests during development and listened to feedback from both veterans and newcomers to ensure both groups will enjoy the game, so we strongly urge anyone who hasn't played Monster Hunter yet to use this opportunity to give it a try. That's me! Also, I think he was successful because Monster Hunter was trending worldwide on Twitter yesterday when it was released. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, this definitely relates to me as well, uh, Pat, on this. I have never played Monster Hunter. I believe I've said this before in uh, last week's podcast, but didn't really understand fully what I was getting myself into. Played the beta a little bit. I was like, okay, but this game is so much bigger than the beta. Um, The customization itself, I felt paralyzed trying to figure out, um, you know, how to create my character. It's just so many options, but it's such a fun game, and I think just recently, I'm about four hours in, um, with probably at about hour three, that's when I, like, finally opened up, and I feel like I actually know what the true game is, and I'm loving it. Like, this is a fantastic, weird game. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, And just to touch off, I played a lot of the betas, both of them that were released, and I, Pat, you asked the beta was a huge success. What can fans expect from the full game? I was actually pretty amazed by what um, came in the full game. And Riozo replied, the gameplay of, in the Monster Hunter world beta focused mainly on the taste of the action with a selection of quests of various difficulties. In the full game, players will be able to enjoy the full rewarding game loop of completing quests and gathering materials that will allow them to continually craft new gear and upgrade their equipment. Additionally, the story elements weren't present in the beta version, but the full version will have a narrative that will expand upon the world, so please look forward to it. So I don't care about the story in Monster Hunter, I just care about the gameplay and the, you know, the loop he talks about, right? So taking a quest, going out, hunting that monster, coming back, crafting the gear that you received from that monster, taking on some side quest in order to get more gear to go on to your next quest. So I finally got into that loop, and it feels great. And the full game compared to the beta has been... Absolutely remarkable. So if you play the beta, you're not sure what really to expect in it. Really, I really 
really would recommend you go buying this full game because it's is like a whole world has opened up for me, and I'm I'm, I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed to be honest with you. Yeah, it is overwhelming for sure. I spent I play this game. I've only about three hours into this game. I spent the first hour. This is not an exaggeration. This is how much time I spent creating my own character and creating my cat companion who goes around with me. They're called Palicos. Uh, that was my favorite part of the game so far. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's weird. It's uh, it reminds me a little bit of Zelda, where it just kind of throws you into this world, and there's a lot to learn right off the bat. Zelda lets you learn it on yourself. This is just tutorial after tutorial after tutorial. I played a lot of Final Fantasy, so I'm a little bit used to that. But it is it's steep for a newcomer. Uh, to to let them explain it again in their own words, here's the director of the game. His name is uh, Yuya Takuda. Uh, I, I apologize again. I'm probably just butchering all these names. I'm terrible. Uh, we asked them, was it challenging developing a game that appeals to diehard uh, Monster Hunter fans and newcomers to the series simultaneously? Which, obviously, that's going to be difficult for any game. Uh, but Takuda said, the, the uh, exciting elements of the game should be synonymous between longtime fans and newcomers, uh, but the path to reaching that enjoyment is different between each level of player. And I think we're kind of seeing that in our own conversation right now. Uh, Takuda said, we continually kept this in mind during level design, and it was an arduous but imperative process in constructing effective solutions that would work for players of any experience level. It does do that, the game. It, it, look, I'm not super far into it, so I don't know how steep the learning curve goes up Like once I get out in the world itself. But there is so much to learn right off the bat from this game, which obviously if you've played these games before, you can kind of skip through a little bit faster because there are elements that are uh, you know, the same in the series. Uh, but as a newcomer, it is just learning, 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 learning. I feel like I have to have like a crib sheet with me when I'm playing this game. Yeah, I mean the crafting systems are just—they're uh, really, really intricate. It's—they're uh, all the armor sets, the weapons are very diverse in play style. Uh, you kind of have to like mix and match things, try different sets. Um, you know, you have to really pay attention to the right-hand side of the menus when you're equipping items with uh, all the the uh, details on there, and it's—it's it's a lot to take in at first. But I mean that in a good way. It's like a good overwhelming feeling. It's not enough where I'm like, ooh, this is too much. Like, I can't I can't take this on like I would jump into, like, an MMO right now or something. Mm -hmm. It's obtainable. It's, it's definitely understandable. You just have to kind of look through the tutorials pretty early on. Yeah, and it's all about really just taking the time and learning the systems, right? And that's what will probably push a lot of people away from this series is that it does take a significant amount of effort on your the player's part to learn the different systems that are involved in this game. And there are a lot. There really are a lot. But I, I just want everyone to know who knows who's coming into this series to know that once you learn it, once you get into that whole the loop and you start feeling how rewarding that loop feels, and I'm, I'm going to talk about the loop a lot because that's mm -hmm. what this game is, right? It's that gameplay loop of going out, killing something, coming back, crafting, going out, killing something, coming back. Once you feel comfortable with that, it's, it's one of the most rewarding experiences I've felt in a game. And I think that we need more games like this that have all of these different systems really working together in order to give you an overall better experience. Right. Look, I've, I've been really deep into Zelda, so like everything in my mind right now is framed around Zelda. Uh, I'm looking through a Zelda lens, a lens of truth, if you will, for Zelda <laughs> fans. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, they said, they said in the interview... Um, they said it over and over again, it's about creating a rich ecosystem is what they were going for. And I think they did that in this game. The game is interactive. You can uh, lure other monsters to fight other monsters uh, in the game. You hide to regain your health. You're in a living, breathing world. It's not like other games uh, in the series where you kind of just transition from one place to the other and kind of gain health as you're going that way. This one, you're really placed into this world. And it seems like it's a world that's existing around you as opposed to generating when you walk into it. Absolutely, and like monsters will run away if they're if they're getting hurt, right? So you have to chase them. It's a very realistic type of ecosystem. Um, and a new thing that they've added are like strategic elements uh, utilizing like while utilizing the terrain, which is new to me. Um, and they even talk about that in the interview. Uh, they just talk about how you would be basically be able to use different types of uh, tools in your arsenal in order to utilize the different areas that you're in to maybe rain down rocks on a monster or maybe like drop a tree down on a monster or getting a monster caught into a vine trap so there's just so much just so much for you to utilize in your game world to help you i just I, man i've never seen anything like this in a game yeah it's it's unbelievable like i think one of my first times hitting kind of one of the more open uh areas 
because I'm chasing this monster. I, I weaken it. It starts running, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm about to kill this thing. And then all of a sudden, a giant, like, T-Rex thing just shows up out of nowhere and just starts fighting the monster. Then it starts fighting me. Then the monster I was chasing regenerates its health because it was in its, like, den so it could eat food. And it was just insane where it just feels like it's... You can play it any sort of game style. Like, I feel like you can play around with different styles, go stealth, go straight in action, and just try to, you know, take out the monster. But it lets you be creative in your approach, and there's not, like, one size... There's not just one route to go, which I really like, and I can kind of play it my way. And, and once you get into, you know, adding in, maybe playing with a friend or playing with uh, three friends, that really changes also the dynamic of how you're going to track these beasts. You can't really stealth around as easy when you have three other pl uh, players rolling around with you. Right. Well, we asked them about the uh, the hardware and the tech, because as far as I know, this is the, the first Monster Hunter game for the, the current generation of uh, consoles. Is that... I believe that's correct. I don't know if there was one very, very early on, but at least this is the biggest one from this current crop of consoles. We asked yeah. them about the hardware and the tech for this, and this is what Takuda said. Uh, again, they wanted to create a living, breathing ecosystem, which they say throughout this interview. Uh, this doesn't change regardless of what hardware we're working with. However, the level of technology we had to work with this time around was so expansive that much of the difficulty was actually figuring out what would be the optimal elements to include. As a result, we took the approach of creating early prototypes as much as possible so we were able to test things out and figure out what elements to focus on. Sounds like they left a couple things on the cutting room floor because they were able to work with so much. It makes you wonder, if you're a game developer on like a long-running series and you hear this often, there were so many things we wanted to try in past games, but the technology wasn't quite there yet. And it seems like we've, we've gotten to a point where we've almost outpaced ourselves with the technology, where now it's so good that you actually have to cut things because you can do all of your ideas. And the fact to even think about that they may have not put every single thing to this game, that blows me away. And like I said, I'm only a few hours in, and there's just so much to do. And I've only scratched the surface. I'm sure this is going to be a pretty long, meaty game, and... Uh, it's really impressive what they've done, so that's that's uh, almost mind-boggling to think that you know there may even be some uh, more features, you know, the next Monster Hunter they make down the line. Yeah, and it, it makes me interested to see what other long-running titles that could do this. You know what I mean? Um, like what type of Atlas series that they have, you know, that are held back. What, what type of things that they can do if they bring their uh, games to these new consoles where there's so much power in the Xbox One X Pro or PlayStation Pro that have so much power. So, it makes so much like power! What other game series could be successful in this endeavor? Because I, I, to be honest with you, I didn't think Monster Hunter would be able to pull this off. Specifically thinking the last big console it was released for was PlayStation 2. Mm -hmm. It had been a handheld for so long. And for me, these type of games work better on a console... And it's just, it just makes sense. It's, it, I'm just so excited. I'm just so happy because it makes so much sense on a console. I'd be interested to see what other type of just long-running titles that we have, like a Dragon Quest or, I don't know, Pat, you can help me out with this with your Japanese titles that you know. But I, I would be interested to see what other titles we could see bring to the PS4 Xbox One that could pull this off. Uh, first off, I would love to see another Dragon Quest because I love Dragon Quest. It takes the artist behind Dragon Ball Z and puts him with the company that made Final Fantasy. So I'm all for that. That's like everything I love. More importantly, though, and here's my major question from our little time with Monster Hunter. Is it successful not just as a game, but in appealing to Western audiences? I think Western audiences are open to more games that have this style of gameplay, like the lunking, clunky, takes a while to like perform a move. I'm not comparing this game to Dark Souls or Demon Souls, so don't come at me in any way, because I think we do that a lot these days. Because so Monster Hunter is the original Demon Souls and Dark Souls, I want you to hear that. Monster Hunter is the original Demon Souls and Dark Souls. I believe that they took stuff from Monster Hunter directly and put it into their own games. Hot take. I think that with the Destiny, the way that we like Luke, Luke grinds now, people have gravitated towards Destiny, The Division, um, other ones out there that just aren't that good. Uh, I think that Western audiences would be more... It's a, this is essentially a Diablo, right? This is a Japanese-style Diablo that is a lot bigger. So I think that this is the game that's going to get Western audiences basically to talk. And you saw it on Twitter. Look at Twitter. Everyone was playing this yesterday. Everyone was excited to get their hands on this yesterday. So I think this is going to be the game that's going to get people to be like, okay, Monster Hunter is here. 
Monster Hunter is going to stay, and we should really put some time and effort into this franchise because it, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think maybe 20 years ago if a game like this came out, obviously not graphically speaking, but like uh, with a crafting system and having to know the intricate kind of uh, ecosystem within the game, I think it would be a lot more difficult. But with the internet... I think you can look up easily, um, you know, information on how to play the game. Like I said, it's it, it seems overwhelming at first. It's really not too difficult, and uh, there's just a lot of options. And the great thing, too, is just like uh, the producer, Ryozo, what he said uh, about the community itself and saying, like, Monster has a fantastic community, not only in Japan, but across the world. Uh, cooperation has always been an important element of the game, and the community has always been very welcoming to new players to teach them tips and tricks to help them improve quickly. So he, he has no doubts that veteran players are really going to show the ropes to newbies. Um, I definitely recommend playing with someone who kind of knows the game. Um, it's really helped out when Edmund and me will jump in a party and we're playing the game, and he can kind of, I can ask him questions. And so I think you just have to kind of do a little bit, you know, have out your, your iPad, have out your laptop while you're playing when you first start. And then once you play for a few hours, you, you won't need it anymore. <laughs> All these are like doing research projects. There's like so much that you need to know to just hop into games. And I, th I think it's welcome now because of games like Destiny, where people were putting t a lot of time into watching like streamers talk about like, you know, what runs they should do to get the type of guns they want or what, to, you know, tips and, tips and strategies that they could use to get the type of gear that they want. So I think that people are more willing to take time to read and to research games while they're playing and before they're playing. It, it really only takes you a good 15, 20 minutes, to be honest with you. They have a really good system in the game where you can actually go back and read all the tutorials, which are really laid out. And I mean, the game explains everything to you. I saw a tweet from Jeff Gertzman from Giant Bomb just saying that, like, if you have troubles with this game, you basically can't read. Because they basically <laughs> lump everything for you in the first, like, maybe, I'm 10 hours in, 12 hours in. So I've read all the tutorials. Mind you, I've had a little bit of experience with the Monster Hunter before, but I've read all the tutorials, and I haven't really had any issues with it at all. Right. So, and yeah. really, it's just going into a Reddit, going into a Google, typing it into Google. It comes right up. It's, it's not that hard, guys. It's it's not too difficult at all, and the great thing too with the tips and tutorials, they actually they it has some text, but they kind of highlight the most important things with like a different color of font or something like that. So I don't even fully read them. You can get the gist of these tips and tutorials like pretty easy. It's they they really put a lot of time into. Ex Explaining the early game, which I feel like from what I've heard um, from Monster Hunter fans in the past, and Edmund, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard that kind of jumping in was a lot more difficult in prior installments, because this is, they, they really hold your hand in the beginning. Well, because they yeah, want they to appeal to a, a larger audience. I mean, it's, it's what they said themselves, you know. It, in order to appeal to a new audience, you kind of have to do that, you know. And there's a lot of people jumping into this game, because right. there's people buying Monster Hunter that I've gamed it for a long time, but I'm actually surprised. And I think that's why the Monster Hunter community is so nice, because a lot of... And I wouldn't consider myself in the Monster Hunter community. I've only played two of these games, so I consider myself a rookie. But I think the reason why a lot of these people are excited to see new people come is because they're just wanting to share in this experience that has just been so rich for so many people for so long. So in that regard, it's exciting to see so many gravitate to it. But I do need to point out that this multiplayer in this game is terrible. Um, other than... Everything other in this, everything else in this game has been fantastic and perfect, but this multiplayer in this game, and if someone found a trick around it, it has been a nightmare. And that would probably be my only complaint about this game, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, it is a new, I haven't gotten to the multiplayer yet, but it is a new system for this game, for this Absolutely. series. So, I mean, there's a bit of growing pains, I guess. Yeah, and I, and I think it's, I hope the developers take time to fix it, because especially with Western audience, and I, I could be completely wrong, I don't know if Japanese audiences are playing games together as much as Western audiences are. And we all know that the Western audience loves to game together. And for them to make it so difficult for you to get into a game with your buddy is kind of disheartening. And it, it's, it's, it's a small turnoff, but... <laughs> I, I have a feeling. Of it, so. I, I have a feeling they're really gonna they're gonna focus on improving this game over time. 
Um, you know, I, I just was seeing, they're actually, a lot of their DLC, I don't know if they're going to have paid DLC, but they're going to release new monsters as free DLC. So I think they're really, they're very, um, in tune with the community and keeping the diehard community happy. So I really do think they'll try to, um, you know, make tweaks as they go along. Yeah, I, I think so too. And so far, I mean, that's my only complaint. I mean, the months I've gotten up to... Uh, I think I've done the seventh mission, so I fought Puk- the Pookie Pookie, which was super fun. Um, I've, I hunted like the Kulu Yaku all day yesterday. I had some <laughs> trouble with the Barith. So, I mean, like, these monsters are dope, you know, and I'm having a lot of fun with this game. Um, the Juruatus, like, like that sea monster, like sea slug with the legs, turned out to be a lot of fun so it's, i'm having a lot of fun with this game so and i would highly recommend anyone who likes action rpgs to just go out and buy this game especially if you're in the games like diablo your loot grinds it is the armor looks fantastic your palico armor looks fantastic you have a cat there's a cat yeah. in the game and you can suit him up however you want like my palico right now is wearing like a rainforest trench coat kind of with some goggles and he's like has a little bow and arrow and he's just like the most savage partner i've ever had oh, yeah? in a video game ever Oh yeah, you know what my Palico looks like? Is He's got a little like cat iron helmet that is shaped towards his ears as well. He's got a bone chest like uh, armor piece, and then I have a uh, pistol, like an old school pirate pistol that he rolls around with. Like, how dope is that? Your cat can shoot a pirate pistol. Is that not worth $60 right there? It's, it's man, it's worth all the money. It's worth all the money. I bought that like T-Rex thing yesterday. Three times could not beat it, and not only because not not because I fainted or anything, it's because this damn thing took so long for me to kill that it just ran off the map at one point. So it you know the game takes strategy, right. it takes patience, but once once you learn the loop and once you learn how to just basically once you get good at this game, it is one of the most rewarding games in out there. And it's nice to have a community of nice people. Let's leave it on this note because I like having a nice note in gaming, especially with communities. And this is from producer Ryozo himself. Monster Hunter has a fantastic community, not only in Japan, but all across the world. (laughs) Once the newcomers become veterans, the hope is that they'll bestow that same philosophy onto other new players in a healthy loop of helping each other out. How much better can you say it than that? And that's how I feel about this game. It was overwhelmingly positive yesterday. Most of the people that I've talked to about this game have been positive. It's just, it's a nice environment of killing monsters with your cat. Yeah, and listen to me. I mean, I'm hella positive about it. So if I'm positive hella. about it, then, you know, hella, 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 hella. You know it's good. Yeah, you know, it's, there's something special when, you know, right now we have so much turmoil in the world. Let's just all get together, be friends, and kill some monsters. With a cat. Can I just say one thing real quick? Um, I had well, a morality issue with this game. There are these, like, little families. There's this family of monsters that stay together sometimes. And I felt real bad yesterday because I rolled down in this cave and see these family of, like, five just, you know, grazing together, eating together, having a good old time. I'm like, I'm going to kill this family. And then once I finished killing them and collecting my materials, I felt kind of bad. Does that not so, say more about you than it does about the game? I think I have, I have morality, which is nice. I, I, I think you can <laughs> trust me. With your animals, people. I won't kill them and try to harvest their organs for to make better armor. And so. even if he does, he'll at least feel bad about it. Y- yes, I'll call you about it and apologize, maybe. Yeah, I'm sorry for hey. murdering that family. <laughs> but hey, Eddie, at the same animals. Hey, Eddie, at the same time, though, uh, there's there's a whole uh, class system of cats that are preparing food for you. I don't know. There's a lot of social issues we can go into this game if we want it. <laughs> and like you can pay them in different types of like vouchers and money the and, dark like, social undertones of monster hunter world <laughs> yeah stay tuned for next week's podcast where we go into the dark underseated belly of cats being forced to cook food kotaku exclusive kotaku's article the problem with monster hunter <laughs> monster hunter world is problematic <laughs> Oh, my God. All right, well, another positive thing that's coming out, uh, and Eddie, you tipped me off to this, is a game called Celeste. It's a little platformer game made by uh, Matt Makes Games, and it has a perfect score on IGN. IGN, the company that doesn't give a perfect score to anything, gave it to this little platformer where you climb a mountain. Yeah, and I just got to shout out Earl, one of our listeners. Thank you for pointing this game out to me. Uh, um, I, I would have not had it on my radar, but, um, Earl was like, I'm going to pick this game up. I did some 
research on it and found out that people are saying it's like one of the best platformers to come out in the last like five years. So I'm I'm probably gonna pick this game up. It looks like it's about um you you play as a young lady uh, in a fantastic in a in a mountain. You're going you're climbing up a mountain. It looks like you're trying to find the love of your life. I think I'm not 100 percent sure. I could just be making this up, but it's just it looks it's like a pixelated type super meat boy type hard platformer i guess if you die you go right to the beginning of the stage so it's one of those games where it's like trial and error you um how many times do you can you do you learn from your mistakes type of game like like a super meat boy that pat loves so much i love it so i'm excited man i'm excited i'm probably gonna pick this up this weekend if i can get my get away from uh, monster hunter world Look at all these hardcore platformers that have been coming out lately. And when I say hardcore, I mean like hardcore, dude. They're hard. They're not easy games. We got Cuphead. We have the Celeste game. I mean, Super Meat Boy is old now, but like these badass like throwbacks to Nintendo that keep it real and keep it Nintendo hard. So are games getting older with us? Is that what's happening right now with such an influx of hard... Like we're seeing Celeste. Like, Pat, you made a good point. We're seeing the Cupheads. We're seeing Monster Hunter Worlds. Is, is it, are games getting older with us? Is that what's happening right now? Or are we just, it's just the younger generation more likely to embrace harder games? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think, uh, I, obviously, the fan base of video games has aged up as time has progressed. Mm-hmm. You know, when it first started off, it was made for kids. Now all those kids are in their 40s and 50s. Uh, and a lot of these people who are making the games in the 40s and 50s grew up playing games the entire entirety of their lives. Uh, so yeah, I do think it's kind of scaled up. There's way more mature fare, but then also things that are like technically any like they're they're rated E, right? Anybody can play it. They're still hard. Yeah, true. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 interesting. I feel like the majority of extremely hard games these days are coming out of um, Japan for the most part. And this is me like broadly speaking, but you know, you have your Dark Souls, your Bloodborne, you have Dragon uh, or you have Monster Hunter. And there, there's tons of other games, and historically, they've you know difficulty's been a big focus. I think with a lot of Western games, there's uh, a publisher kind of or like head of development kind of uh, people get scared because they don't want to chase off the casual gamer, right. and casual gamers have more spending power. So that's why I think, but. A lot of these games, like Celeste, I think, are made by smaller studios with people that are just super passionate about video games, and that comes out. They make games that they would want to play, and so I think you get that kind of hardcore gamer mentality in these smaller studios a lot more when it comes to Western development, because the larger studios are scared to put out a high volume of super difficult games. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah, it it just seems like, because we... Grew up, we were born, I'm going to sound old, but we were raised, and games were hard, right? Nintendo, and uh, Super Nintendo era, those games were really hard to me. Uh, Sega Saturn, not Sega Saturn, Sega Genesis, those games were real hard. And then we got to the games where we became teenagers, and you saw more like Nintendo 64. I don't remember a hard game being on a Nintendo 64. And you guys might be able to correct me, but I don't, like Super Mario 64, GoldenEye, Perfect Dark, all those games that came out for Nintendo 64 were relatively easy, and then it seemed like games started to fall along those suits, and then now, now all of a sudden we're getting hard games again. Well, what, what I think actually a big factor in this, um, personally I think that it's actually saving. Being able to save in a video game, I think, has changed the whole process of how they make a game. Where you want, it continues a lot longer when most, you know, Super Nintendo and before that especially, you couldn't save your progress. So it's all about one continued run. And I think that added to a lot of the difficulty. And now you have games that just over time have gotten so much larger. And with save points put in, like I said, they want people to complete it. So they, they kind of scale back the difficulty so they can actually have more people complete their long games that they're making now in development. Right. Well, now, I mean, there's not even save points. I can save most games at any point I want to anytime. I can just save it whenever I feel like it. And like that obviously drives the difficulty way down if I can just save any time anything happens to me. That's true. That's true. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, it's just like, you know, with uh, Monster Hunter uh, World, you know, when I'm actually running around and exploring, I don't have that ability to just save and keep my items, really. I mean, I have to end my hunt, go back. So they, that does add a layer of difficulty when a game like Skyrim 
or Breath of the Wild, I can just know, like, oh, you know, I see a camp of bandits. It looks really tough. I'm going to save right here, and then, I'll, you know, I'll just go in and see how hard it is. And if I die, reload my save. If I don't, then it's, like, great. So, yeah, it does take a layer of difficulty away from it. Yeah, it's just interesting, because it seems like all the, like, hard, hard games have come out in, like, the last five to eight years. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's a trend that I like to see, to be honest with you, because I like to be challenged. But I just hope we don't get away from the casual experiences, because I do like my Lego Star Wars games as well. So Those games are amazing. Uh, I just like variety, obviously. I mean, like, that's what I'm all about. I, would, I think there's room for all, and if somebody else is paying to make them, then I don't really have to worry about it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh... Another, uh, to change tax a little bit into something that I am super excited for and that Eddie is not excited for because he's a bad person, is uh, God of War got a release date. It's also, okay, so it's called God of War, not God of War 4, which is super confusing to me because it is God of War 4, but it's just called God of War. I don't know. Get it together. Is it like, it's a reimagining of the series though, right? Yeah, it is, but I mean like like it's still, sort of, right? It's like Roseanne. Well, see, Roseanne takes place in the future, though, when they're all old. So this isn't like oh. Grandpa Kratos. This is, uh, yeah, this is, I mean, this is technically before the original God of War, correct? I mean, oh, that's, that's, that's what it good. is? No, no, it's after. It's way no, after. Yeah, it's after? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah, because I was just, wait, wait, he had a son before he went? Okay. Um, and Pat, you're wrong. I am excited about this. If it was in the same vein as those other games, I would not be excited about this. But the fact that it's like a behind-the-back uh, action RPG, I think it makes me a little excited for this game. Uh-huh. But I'm a little confused now because now I want to know what's what's going on with this. When, when, like, when is it? When does it take place? Timeline-wise, yeah. what's what's the timeline of this game? Uh, so. Okay, so the new game is like nearly a hundred years after Kratos ended his God of War run, and now he's out in a new place, and he kind of has like a son who may or may not be his son, and he's fighting new gods. So it's sort of like a soft reboot for the series. Maybe it's even a harder reboot than that because there is quite a bit going on in this game uh, that is new. The camera angle is new. The gameplay is completely new. The chains of chaos, which Kratos. Kratos is known for completely gone. So it is. It's almost like a new game. So I, I kind of get it. Uh, but at the same time, it's still God of War, and like you need to capitalize on that. You know, it's an ongoing story. They're still going to relate back to the things that happened to Kratos. And they do in the trailer. There's that what moment in the Kratos, new trailer. Kratos killed Zeus, right? Yeah, dude. Isn't like that this, like essentially the story of God of War? Pretty much. I mean, like that's the, the main... Spoilers for everybody, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it ends. But yeah, I mean, like you don't just... You don't kill Zeus and then don't bring that up in conversations. Yeah, that's true. And I wonder if the Norse... Who's the head of the Norse gods? Odin? I, I guess. Uh, so is Odin just like... Does he know that Kratos killed Zeus? Is, is Kratos in his radar? Yeah, does that why get is, around? Yeah, he's just like, why is this guy over here in Scandinavia now? Get him out of here. He kills gods. I don't want him over here. I don't want him in my area. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, are they going to drop a lot of, like, subtle hints from the original um, the original ones? Or are they going to just go, you know, hey, this is this own adventure? I mean, I think regardless, by the studio, it's a smart move because God of War created, like, a whole, basically, like, explosion in the genre of that just, like, ridiculous high camera, just, like, nonsense of just going around and doing crazy combos and i mean it looks so so cool being able to watch it uh other people play it but i think uh you know going to a wider audience uh in this more like kind of open world-ish more cinematic way i think it's going to appeal to more people and two i think that old the uh old gameplay is just doesn't hold up today like it did when it came out yeah well let me tell you something for all your whippersnappers out there who might be listening back in my day when God of War originally came out, the first one, people forget that it kind of like changed an industry for a little mm-hmm. bit. It was such a huge hit that there were tons and tons of knockoffs, like so many knockoffs, not just of the way it was played, but also like different mythologies. Does anyone remember Dante's Inferno, where you yep. played as Dante and went through hell killing demons? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, no, you're absolutely right. Right? You're, you're absolutely right. There was that. It, we wouldn't have a Bayonetta without God of War, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you're absolutely right, and I agree with you on that. And for that reason, that's why I never really, I never really was a fan of God of War, but I never knocked on it because for what it did for the gaming industry was absolutely fantastic. And we didn't have any hardcore 
side-scrolling action RPG, or not even well, not an RPG action um, games like that until God of War came out, and then after it came out, you're right, Pat. There was an absolute explosion of games, right? And I think that could happen again. Like, don't sleep on my boy Kratos because, dude, God of War was amazing when it first came out, and this game looks bad ass. It has that. I like that it switched to like that over the shoulder. It almost reminds me of like Resident Evil Four, which when that came out was like, what in the world is this? And it, it's just like, I don't know. I can't think of another game that is similar to this that I've been excited for in a very, very long time. And I'm not like a huge action type guy. I guess the the most similar are the uh, Uncharted games, but this has like that element of, I don't know, I love mythology and we've talked about that before. So there's that element of it too. It's just like a perfect marriage of so many things I'm super into in this new God of War. Yeah, plus with the technology, uh, with the, you know, the higher powered, uh, you know, PS4 uh, Pro, I really think they should be able to make, like, a really powerful game. Hopefully they can get that action down, because I love Uncharted. I mean, when I, I was late to the PlayStation 3, so when I, you know, got one eventually, I played 360 most of the time during that generation war, and I actually had to choose Uncharted or God of War, which is the series I'm going to jump into once I got a PlayStation 3. I chose Uncharted. Very happy I did. Also, no one goes to those games for the gunplay. So I'm really hoping that God of War, they can get that action element down. And, and, you know, the cinematic side, it looks so incredible. Where I'm confident that will be good. I'm just curious, are they going to be able to get that action down? Dude, Colin, let me tell you. Because I was, a few months ago, this is a while ago now, geez. uh, I I got to go to the studio. Eddie knows this because I talked to him about it. And you would know if you read my articles. And (laughs) I went to... uh, (laughs) I went to the studio and I got to see them, you know, making it and the care and the studio around it and how many people were working on this and like just a bit of footage that I saw. Dude, this game is going to blow people's minds. It looks freaking awesome. I could not be more excited for a game. And they kept the violence. I'm watching gameplay oh, yeah. video of it right now, and I think that was the part that I really liked of God of War. Please, you know, don't judge me, but I yeah. like the savageness of Kratos. Like You're killing families guys, of animals. Right? You're- yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm talking about killing families of animals and now how much I love the violence of God of War, but I really enjoyed that about God of War. And I'm looking at gameplay videos right now. It seems like it's going to be something along the veins of, like, an Assassin's Creed, right? So like a Witcher 3 type gameplay. So it's going to be... I'm very interested to see how they pull this off. Um, and I'm excited. I'm, I'm, and I, it, Mark my words, I'm excited for a God of War. I think that's the first time I've ever said those words. Ugh. So, Dude, 2018 is already shaping up to be... Pat, um, how do you feel... Sorry for interrupting you, but how do you feel about the change from... What did he fight with in the last games? Were they chains? Yeah, they're the Blades of Chaos. First off, how dare you interrupt me? I will kill you. Uh, and then second... <laughs> wow, someone, someone's really hyped up for God of War. I just, I'm, I'm in the Kratos mindset right now. I'm interested to see if you're like... How does that axe... Do you, are you excited about playing with that axe? Well, that's a, Dude, it's a huge difference. I mean, the, the Blades of Chaos were like the biggest things of that game. The entire game was built around them. That's, it was, had to do with the story... All the gameplay was built around it, the way he moved through the world. So, like, this is a humongous change to take that away. That said, this new axe seems to have, like, its own type of personality. If you haven't seen any of the gameplay stuff, uh, and if you read some of the articles uh, where Cory Barlog talks about it, he's the director of the game, uh, the axe sort of has, like, a rune or something in it, so you can, like, summon it, uh, and it swings back to you. So there is, like, some cool stuff going on with the axe. But they have to reinvent the entire game based around the weapon that Kratos uses. It's not a small change. Yeah, it seems major. That's why I'm asking, like, some, especially from someone like you who loved the game so much. Would yeah. that, would that, is that something that would turn you off to the game? No, because frankly, I'm kind of excited to see what they do with it. I hope, it, I hope it's good. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see something new. I guess I played with the Blades of Chaos for three games. Like, I'm good. I, I've done it. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Yeah, I think they had to give him a new weapon, though, because he looks less ashy in this uh, game, so I think he's been putting on lotion a lot of the time now, so he needs something that's not going to be slippery. Kratos needs that Navia, dude. He needs that Navia. No, he got some. He looks less ashy in this game, I'm telling you. he's uh, he's He's been definitely moisturizing. If, Maybe he's that Scandinavian air. That's exactly what it is, yeah. <laughs> it's exfoliating. If Navia doesn't advertise on this game, they're missing a wonderful marketing opportunity. Mm, they... they I absolutely agree. That, Celine, 
Make some calls, Vaseline. <laughs> Vaseline presents God of War. <laughs> Uh, one other game, because we're just repeating 2007 at this point, is uh, Red Dead... Shoot, what's in the new Red Dead called? Red Dead Redemption 2. Red Dead Redemption 2! Let's uh, go! We still don't have a release date, though. And my theory is is that they'll announce it at E3, because why wouldn't you? Uh, what do you guys think? When are we looking at actually getting our hands on this game? Rumor control, rumor control, brought to you by Colin Codega. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, you know what, I've, 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 uh, read in the Twitter sphere on some articles and stuff, I've been hearing some rumors of maybe, maybe June, maybe July, specifically I've seen June 8th dropped a couple times, but no validity in that, I don't know anything, I think it's just, uh, I'm hopeful for that, because that would definitely be, June would be around the time E3's happening, so that would be amazing, but... Man, I'm I'm playing through Red Dead One right now. Um, I actually wow, was on classic. sale this week, and oh, such a good game! It is such a good game. It holds up so well, even on the new console. Like just firing it up on the 360 view, and it's it's amazing. I'm excited, and it, it makes you know with the God of War release date being announced, and you know we'll talk about this in more detail in a minute. Anthem being pushed back, it makes me think: Are we going to get a Red Dead Redemption two this year? Um, or is it going to be another game that we're going to see pushed back? Because I re- haven't really seen that much for it. I'm going to be under the camp to say that it might be pushed back to 2019. I'll actually be excited to see that happen. I'm I'm one of those people that like seeing games pushed back, especially if it's for to you know to bring us a complete product, right? Uh, we'll see, we'll see. But it makes me nervous that we haven't seen much of anything on this game, r- rather than that second reveal trailer. I mean, the fact that we first got the, uh, we had the first trailer for this game October 20th in 2016, so I don't know, at this point they kind of have to get it down, and actually I looked it up, apparently the the rumor started about the June 8th release date in December, uh, so last month, December 2017, uh, a bunch of news outlets actually caught report that a Danish retailer called Cool Shop, that they, uh, there's a, a rumor that they accidentally leaked the release date. So um, they released Grand Theft Auto's uh, release date as well. So they they have a history, and they were correct with Grand Theft Auto Five. Stupid cool shop. If keep your mouth shut, cool shop. <laughs> we're watching you. If we okay, let's say 2018 gives us, and we already know that some of these are happening. If we get God of War, we get Red Dead Redemption Two. Let's say Death Spider-Man. Stranding falls. We have Spider Man. Is I think we're going to top 2017, which I thought was maybe the best year in gaming in the last 10 years. Uh, Nino Kumi 2. Oh, you know what's a sleeper? You know what's a sleeper? Mario Tennis Aces. Yes! Oh, oh my god, thank awesome. you. Oh, yeah. That, and Mario Tennis is one of the most underrated oh sports franchises in games. It is so the good. The fact that we're getting a Mario Tennis in 2018. With the story mode. It, oh, dude, rejoice, bruh. Rejoice. That game is going to be fantastic. It's like Mario Tennis on the Switch on the go sounds like heaven. I I might have to agree with you, Pat, except for the Nintendo label. 2018, we got Far Cry 5, which is dropping this year. Sea of Thieves, which I I watched streams for Sea of Thieves. Funny thing about Sea of Thieves, people are uh, reporting getting motion sickness, so that's that's really funny. Yeah, it should be like that. You're on boat. (laughs) Um, We have Kirby Star Allies. We have, what else do we have? We have something else that I'm forgetting. A big game. Like Long Gone Days with um, by PlayStation, if you're excited about that game. So we have a lot of games coming out, and that's just until March. So I think 2018 might be better than 2017, possibly. I think 2017 was a banner year for video games, and I think 2018 might be able to knock it off. Oh, yeah. I think so. Also, I want a Fire Emblem game, a real Fire Emblem game on Switch. Is that too much to ask? Keep asking for that. I don't think we're going to get one until at least 2020. Yeah, well, you know, I've been waiting for my Final Fantasy VII remake for 17 years. That's supposed to be coming out next year or this year? No, yeah, I've heard that every year of my life. It's coming out next month, Pat. Keep your fingers crossed. Okay, thanks. You heard it here first, folks. It's coming out next month. It doesn't matter. We have Shadow Colossus anyway, so. Really, the only game that really needs to come out this year is Spider-Man. And that would already make 2017 better than 2018. So, I'm very Spider-Man. We have some stuff in the works about Spider-Man, by the way, so stay tuned, folks and fans of Spider-Man, and Spider-Men in general. I will stay tuned. If you like spiders and you like mans, then you're listening to the right podcast. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it's exciting. I, I would like, I want a Red Dead Redemption 2 release date, but 
I I can be happy with the God of War and Spider Man this year. I I would take those two games. I don't want. with Monster Hunter. I'll take those three. That's yeah, I'm, I, I am curious if uh, Red Dead Two has the cult like following on with their online services like GTA Five. I just I'm just thinking about like that GTA Five online was fun. I wasn't absolutely insanely crazy about it, but just imagine rolling around with the crew of your friends on horses doing like bank robberies and train robberies in a giant open world. Like that sounds amazing. Yeah, to do it in a video game would be cool. I do it in real life all the time. Oh yeah, we're from Nevada. I mean, that's what you that's do. How you get yeah. around? And if it has any, like, let me tell you about Grand Theft Auto Online. We had an issue with our kids where these kids were talking about, like, massive amounts of money that they were bringing in. And we had thought that they were, these kids were talking about drug dealing in class, right? So the probation officer comes <laughs> in and he's just like, what are you guys talking about? And these kids are essentially talking about their Grand Theft Auto accounts and how they're basically able to, like, monopolize a section of the city with their own drug trade. And the way that these kids were talking about it, it was like real life. So that is the community of the Grand Theft Auto right now. Hey, and you know, you, you could learn economics on the streets or in the video game streets. And which is safer? Video game streets, I think. Maybe. I don't know, because you might get swatted, so. Too soon? It's too soon, Colin. Like, yeah, it might have been too soon. But <laughs> People are monster. for swatting, guys. Like, what, are we going to sugarcoat that? Like, are we going to act like it's it, not happening? It's a dangerous world out there. Like, it's a dangerous world out there. That's why I always have a gun on me. <laughs> oh, is this going to make it to the podcast? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> See how the editing goes. I don't know. I don't know. It's up in the air right now. So, uh, speaking of games that come out in 2018, not oh! 2019. Yeah, I just bore added you all. <laughs> but uh, I was, you know, kind of referencing how I opened up the podcast today. I actually jinxed Anthem. Really badly. Like, I made that statement about how EA and BioWare need Anthem this year, and then it got pushed to 2019, I think, that same day. Like, shortly after we were broadcasting. So, uh, I was wrong, and I think there's a lot of pressure on BioWare right now to pump out a game that's going to be good, because there is a lot of controversy right now with games as a service. That quote-unquote games as a service. Um, let me just give my two cents for the 800th time on this podcast about this subject. If you are going to release a game that is not done, then do not charge me $60 for it, and do, do not charge me extra money to give me the things that should have been in the game when you released it in the first place. Thank you very much. Next! Yeah, and I agree with Pat, and it, you can only really do this if you're going to be doing MMOs, guys. Like, stop doing this if you're going to be releasing, like, like, Monster Hunter is a perfect example. No paid DLC, no loot boxes, no subscriptions. It's just a game that's being released, right? So we need more of that. We need full games being released. Stop attaching all these things. Like, Colin, you brought up a good point before we started the podcast. Games like The Division, games like Destiny that are releasing half-assed projects and then completing their games four years afterwards, that needs to stop. Yeah, I mean, I, I just recently fired up The Division again, and I, I was super into that game at first, but was lacking a ton when I went back. I was like, this is a different game. This is, like, completely different. It, it actually is pretty decent. But now it's like, I don't know, it's just been so long. I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and pump a bunch of time into this game. So I, I hope that Bioware isn't feeling too much pressure where they're going to make release a game that they're not in love with. But also, I really hope they take the time and learn from the Destinies learn from the divisions and also learn from like rainbow six siege even though it's a different type of game they actually have steadily built up a following they've had over 25 million unique players in their game and in december they hit that mark and it's been out for three years so they kind of wrote the ship uh got things to be a lot cleaner and better i just hope anthem can be good from the start yeah, and just stop doing this. Even Battlefront released last week that they're totally revamping the multiplayer system. So on one hand, I'm happy to see that um, developers are listening to the complaints that their consumers are giving to them, and they're making changes to their games. Then on the other hand, I'm like, dude, just just stop. Like, stop milking us all for our money. Like, we're already giving you 60 to $70. Some of us will are be willing to pay for paid DLC, but give us a full product. Emulate your games after Witcher 3. Witcher 3 was a perfect release. Do it like that, and everyone will be fine. Look, dude, I don't want to buy a hot dog and then, oh, this is the base level hot dog, but in five minutes you'll be able to add relish for an extra 75 cents. Like, give me the hot dog and the condiments, or just let me wait for the hot dog until it's ready to go. 
I love that analogy. Thank you. I want a hot really dog. Good analogy. <laughs> I you know really what? like yeah, hot dogs. Like, you know what? You you want the you want the best tasting hot dog, and you don't care if you if you want to pay a little bit more and have a gold bun or have a cosmetic uh, you know mustard put on there. But you just want a cosmetic taste mustard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't want to wait four years for the chili to be added to my hot dog. You know what I'm saying? Like I want I want it all at once. Games or hot dogs? We're all guys. in agreement here. Games or hot dogs? <laughs> yeah, co- yeah. Please tune in to our number one hot dog and video game cup podcast. Next week we'll be talking about our favorite hot dogs and where to find them. Oh, I love it. We need a crossover episode with some hot dog podcast. I'm gonna look up some hot dog podcasts and invite them on the show. There's gotta be hot dog podcasts out there. <laughs> I'd be really disappointed if there wasn't. All right, everyone, give, uh, please uh, write us, tweet us. Uh, what's your favorite hot dog podcast? There you know what? Go. Actually, there's a video games hot dog podcast that we should probably get in contact with next week. Oh, see man. if we can have them on. I'm not even joking because we were going to give a giveaway this week anyway. We have a day one edition, uh, PS4 edition of Dragon Ball Fighter Z, which is a great game, by the way, and we didn't get to talk about it that much, but I like it a lot. Anyway, if you want to win a copy of a day one edition, PS4, Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Uh, we will send it to the person who links us to the best hot dog podcast. If you know of a hot dog podcast, if you host one, if you want to make one up just to win this free game, go for it. The race is on. Who's going to be first? <laughs> I have no comment. I have no comment. I'm just going to stay silent. I'm just like trying to think of hot dog puns. They're hard. Send us a hot dog pun. Best hot dog pun wins the game. I like that too. Either hot dog pun or hot dog podcast and you win yourself a And we're game. saying hot dog pun with a P, not a B. If you send us hot dog buns, you will not win. Colin, you just won. <laughs> <laughs> this is so well, stupid. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right, well, that's as good as way as any to wrap up a podcast, I guess. Yeah, so thank you for listening, everyone. Please subscribe to us. Please listen. Please email us with any questions, comments, uh, concerns, complaints. Earl, thank you for listening. <laughs> you can reach us on DonkeyConArtists at gmail.com. DonkeyCon with a C, artist. And then you can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, all of that information is listed just to your right if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, except for Colin's Twitter. I don't know if we've thrown it up there. Also, this will be the first week with Colin in the logo, and I apologize for not having you in the logo up until now. And if you're Gosh. listening, Colin is officially a part of our co- podcast. He's not a guest. He is a, another co-host. Woo! Thank you, Colin. This is the, the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. Oh, Colin. No, I'm going to cry. You guys are my friends. Oh, we're all friends. Yeah, yeah, make sure you are checking out Patrick Chanley's articles on Hollywood Reporter. Yep, exactly. He has a lot of good articles videos dealing with overall Hollywood in general. But if you want some more in-depth yes. articles on some video games, check out Patrick Chanley. Now I'm going to cry. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much, everybody. Everybody's crying. All right, we love you guys. Goodbye.